Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ah, the race. Carlos Gomez first. He breaks his bat over his knee after one of his three strikeouts. Then he breaks the Twins' heart with his first walk-off home run or any kind of his career. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they finished off the New Jersey Devils with a 3-1 win in Game 5 Saturday. But who would they rather play next, the Bruins or the Maple Leafs? And the NFL Draft is only a few days away. Everyone's playing the game of Liars Poker. I'm going to tell you about the time the Bucks set a trap about Johnny Manziel. And I took the cheese. All that and more on this Monday edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started, I want to welcome back our sponsor, Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's springtime, and we're celebrating the spring cleaning sales event Friday, April 27th, and Saturday, April 28th. All jewelry in stock, now 20% off. You need your jewelry repaired? Bring it to Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Your repairs will be done on the premises. Nothing is sent out. And let us create something special for you. So if you're looking for that perfect gift for your wife or girlfriend, guys, go see our friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Whether you're looking for a diamond pendant, a bracelet, or earrings, maybe you're ready to pop the question, you need that engagement ring, you're going to get the best price at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Why walk around the jewelry stores in the shopping mall? They've got the big overhead, and that means a bigger price for you. At Continental Wholesale, you're paying wholesale. There's no pressure. So mark your calendars to attend the Continental Wholesale Diamonds Spring Cleaning Event Friday, April 27th, and Saturday, April 28th, to receive an additional 20% off what is already wholesale prices. And remember, if you go in and see our friend Andy, he's going to take care of you, pour you a nice scotch, teach you about the four seasons of diamonds. He's going to find that perfect diamond for your loved one. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's where I shop, and they're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. So, uh, Steve, I was uh, covering the Rays game. It was our bullpen day at the Tampa Bay Times, as it is on Sunday, and was, I guess, no longer for Yanni Chirinos, who is the uh, now the de facto and now named number four starter. Yes, Even the though, Rays only have one bullpen day now, not two. It's, we, we have more than one, it seems. The three-man um, rotation, uh, no longer. Yeah, that's gone. So, adios, amigos. But uh, this was the shortest outing, non, uh, you know, sort of relief outing, but the shortest starting outing for Chirinos. He went... Um, did not make it out of the fifth inning. Um, but the real story of the day, uh, and we'll get to sort of the happenings of the game, um, but it was Carlos Gomez. And if you know anything about Gomez, he has just gotten himself off to a horrific start. Um, but but he's never a dull guy to watch bat because he does not get cheated. <laughs> he, this guy swings. I don't know, Steve, that I've ever seen a guy swing more violently uh, and – you know, go to the ground, spin himself in the ground um, on, uh, you know, on Sunday. Um, one of his second time he struck out, he was so frustrated. He literally snapped the the bat in half over his knee, which, by the way, if you've ever even, like, contemplated that, don't do it because you, you, chances are you will break your leg. This is not an easy thing to do. You have to be some kind of, first of all, crazy, and then to go all Bo Jackson on the bat like that, um, you got to be crazy. But every time – Gomez takes a big rip like that, you know, some, something's going to happen. 
he uh, was, uh, you know, in a, this two for 38 tailspin. He, he was hitless in four at bats uh, in the game. Uh, we talked to him after the game, and he, and he was talking about how, you know, he showed us his hands, and they're all red and swollen and full of calluses. So the Rays really should have won this game a, a lot sooner than the ninth inning. I mean, they had a two to nothing lead. They led six to three. Um, then it was six to four, and really for the second time in the series, uh, they they give up. You know, the big lead, uh, as it were. And it, and it, it was really Sergio was the, Romo both times. Same Sergio Romo. He gave it the grand slam. Was it Friday night? I want to say correct. Correct. Um, when they were up six to two, and they wound up winning that game in ten innings, eight seven. Um, and then, you know, he, he gives up the, the two out. Well, first of all, he walks a ninth plate pinch hitter uh, and then gives a, a two out um, three run homer to tie it. So, uh, you know, this this was just it, it just seemed like it was headed for the rocks. Um, but anyway, it was Carlos Gomez in a key situation. C.J. Crone, who had his third home run in two days, um, leads off the ninth inning um, with with a, a base hit. And when Carlos walked up there, uh, he said he wasn't sure. He kind of was planning that, you know, if, if Crone hit a double, he'd probably be bunting him to third. Uh, but he looked into the dugout, and he saw that Kevin Cash had given him the hit-away sign. The more important bat in the game come, I already, before that, had my plan. Like I say, um, probably it's hot right now. He probably hit a single or double. If he hit a double, I'm going to bunt to move it to third. And uh, he hit a single, I look into the dugout, and I look to the manager, and the manager gave me the, the sign, like, no, you know, like, let's go. So that gave me the confidence, and I'm a step back, breathe, and I say, let's go, throw me something on the play, and I'm going to hit it hard. And I mean to tell you that he absolutely crushed this baseball. It was a no doubt about her. And it was uh, the, the reaction that he had immediately in throwing his hands straight up in the air, Looking into the dugout like he's Crash Davis, um, I thought he was going to fly around the bases, and it, it, he milked it for all it was worth. Come to find out why. I mean, not only was it you know a, a series sweep, which the Rays have have not had, um, and they've never had one against, uh, I, I guess, against this team against Minnesota at the Trop in, in the history of the Trop, um, but you know they've now won four in a row and five out of six. And for Gomez to do it in, in the middle of this just horrific slump, he was, he was milking that, that home run trot for everything it was worth. Not only was it a, a bad slump, he had bad at-bats today. The oh, first yeah. few at-bats were awful at-bats. Well, he was swing, it's a typical. He was swinging at pitches that were out of the zone and taking balls right down the middle of the plate. And that's what you do. It was funny. We talked to him after the game, and he said, "No, I mean, like, uh, baseball is crazy, you know. Like yesterday, I, I swing every first pitch, and they bounce the ball, not even close to the strike zone. And today, I'm starting the game, and I give you the pitch, strike right in the middle. The second at bat, give you a pitch, strike right in the middle. The third at bat, give you a pitch, strike right in the middle. And uh, my first at bat, I go in like, yeah, I said no." If he throw me something on the play, I'm gonna. And he throw a pitch, ball, but like a hangy curve, I put a good swing on it, and everything is start from there. You know, it's like get my my swag back, like the confidence. And I'm like, and the last at bat, said, he 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 probably not throw me fast, but he's gonna throw me something soft, and I'm gonna drive the middle in the field, and that's what I did. So he was he was just all screwed up, um, but he told himself that uh, they're probably not gonna start him with a fastball. So he looked off speed, and he was just trying to hit it up the middle. And, I mean, this was a no-doubter. Long drive, high and deep to left, and 
and the Rays sweep Minnesota. Boy, that was gone from the time he made contact. And the Rays win it 8-6. to six. That call was courtesy of Fox Sports Sun. It was a lot of fun at the old ballpark. And again, the most it's just so amazing to me that that a guy who has played prior to Sunday 1,328 games, think of the situations he has been in, that not only did he not have a walk-off home run, he didn't even have a walk-off walk or a walk-off single or a walk-off pass ball, a walk-off of any kind. I was working up so, in the booth with Andy and Dave on the radio call. And right. you know, after the the hit, they announced it on the press box. The 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 PR people will tell you stats like that, and said that, and they both turned to each other like, "Are you kidding me? That was his first." I didn't believe home it. Run I thought ever. it was, and then yeah, I thought it was a mistake. Yeah, then they talked to Carlos after the game, an interview right there on the field from the dugout, and he mentioned mm-hmm. he had never even had a walk or a you know a hit by pitch, a single, a walk off, and we, we were stunned. I mean, as long as right. a twelve year career, what did you say fourteen hundred games, we were stunned he had never had one. Yeah, I mean it, it's just incredible, but but I, apparently that's that's the truth. And um, it was funny because he said, you know, prior to the game, even though he's been going horribly, um, he's he's managed to keep a pretty good attitude about things. He still plays good defense, still runs the bases hard, and he says, "I always uh, in my career have a slower start, and uh, but you know, like uh, a lot of strikeout right now, but it's not I mean the." And one at bat gets you going. And that bat before at the homer is the one at bat that I feel that I'm hitting. Because before, you know, I do everything perfectly in the batting practice, in the cage. I've been working. Look at my hands. Yeah. This is that I've been working really hard. So, you know, but come here with a good attitude and uh, start every game, every at bat. No showing uh, your, your teammate. I mean, you can show in like uh, emotion, and, but like when you go to defense, like go really play defense. He has a, a nine-year-old son, Yandel is his name, and his nine-year-old son apparently on Saturday scored the game-winning goal in his soccer game. And so Carlos told him, <laughs> stop me if you've heard this before, I'm going to hit a home run for you, son. <laughs> and so he did. Um, but it was, uh, it was a good story. Look. The Rays, I mean, consider, you know, this offense uh, from the beginning of, of the season, almost from Jump Street, uh, with the exception of the sixth run inning in the eighth on opening day, um, you know, we, we've seen that they're just not going to score runs. I mean, it, it just, you know, compared to any major team in baseball that's winning right now, they just don't have they don't have the guns. And now they've lost Kevin Kiermaier and, you know, uh, Matt Duffy's been out. So, you know, they're missing some pieces of the small few pieces that they have. And yet, these guys now are suddenly raking. I mean, it's been remarkable. They scored eight runs uh, one game against Minnesota, then ten runs, then eight runs again. Um, You know, and they've needed them because the bullpen, as you mentioned with Sergio Romo, has let them down. But I'll tell you, um, there's some guys that can suddenly, you, you look at them and you go, eh, maybe they're pretty good hitters. I mean, how about Daniel Robertson going four for four? His first four hit game in his career. Um, Jose you know, Sucre uh, had three hits today. Sucre had three hits. Uh, uh, Joy Wendell had a couple more hits, and uh, it has been very hitterish in this series. No one's been hotter than BJ than uh, I'm sorry uh, than uh, than Crone. Um, nobody, CJ Crone. Uh, he he's just been phenomenal. And uh, the guy drove in ten runs in this series alone. Um, he's hit in ten out of his last eleven games. 
three home runs, five on the season. So, you know, they're, you know, all of a sudden, you, you know, and, and the resiliency, I talked to Robertson after the game, and the thing that really impressed him, and, it, and he says, you know, you'll hear him say in this drop that it's kind of kind of cliche, but they really, you know, when you consider that two of these games they had given up the lead and easily could have lost, but managed to keep battling, says something about their ball club. We don't quit. I know it's kind of a cliche thing to say, but, you know, we – we have a lead and they seem like they're fighting back. We don't stop fighting, you know, and that's just that's just the definition of our team. And, boy, I'm telling you, what a difference a week makes because I, uh, you know, covered the Rays last Sunday and they were just dead to the world and, um, you know, looked like they were never going to get hot. And then now they, they've gotten hot. And so they're 8-13 and 13 now. They're five games below 500. Uh, and they're not in the cellar anymore, Steve. I mean, that, that belongs to Baltimore, I guess. Which they're two, is where and the they're two and a half games ahead of Baltimore right now. Oh, like yeah. Baltimore's they're, really they're, scuffling. They're getting small in their mirror right now. They're just disappearing. Uh, they're just blitzing by Baltimore. Uh, but then they got a nine-game road trip that they start in Baltimore, and, and then that includes, uh, I guess, going to Detroit. Yeah, so, Boston, then Detroit will end the, the road trip. Okay. So, so I mean, and of course, you know, Boston's beating everybody, although they got no hit the other night by, by the A's. But I saw sudden, I saw someone on Twitter, just a side note on that real quick, and it's a, I, can't, mm-hmm. I can't remember who to credit. It was somebody on Twitter that I saw it. But the Rays finally no-hit the Red Sox because the Rays traded Zobris to Oakland, who then traded him to Kansas City for Manea, <laughs> oh, and he no-hit him. So <laughs> okay. I can't take credit for it. I'm stealing it from Twitter, and I don't remember six, who. Six degrees of separation <laughs> here from the Rays. I'll do you one better. You know who the guy that interviewed Manea after the uh, after the the, the no hitter? It was the last was, guy that yeah, pitched no hitter for yes. Oakland. It was Dallas Braden that interviewed him, <laughs> and he threw what a perfect game, right? On Mother's Day, wasn't yes, that a perfect I believe, game? I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. twenty five years Incredible. ago. Incredible. It wasn't that. Oh long. no, no, I'm sorry. Twenty five years ago was the last time the Red Sox were no hit. No, that's not the last. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was going to say getting, getting Dallas my, Braden yeah. looks really good. No, no, no. You're, you're, <laughs> that was that's the last time the Red Sox got no hit was twenty five years ago. Yeah, uh, they were second longest streak of not being no hit. Do you know who the longest was? Is? It ooh, and still uh, I'll say the Yankees. It's the Oakland Athletics. Really, the team that that yeah. does they have the longest no streak of not uh, being no hit. The Red well, Sox, you know, number that's, two. That's Moneyball. That's Billy Bean. That's why. Yes, exactly. you're not going to no hit. Nobody no hits Billy Bean. It's just it's it's analytically impossible. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> they take too many pitches or something. I don't know. Um, you'll never get a complete game on them. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know what I, I'm gonna say it. I like this team. And look, they're playing with bailing wire and scotch tape. I mean, it's funny. I won't say all the things I've heard when I go over there. But there's some people with some pretty dry senses of humor in that organization. And you know, it's like, yeah, well, we're almost we're almost like the Yankees lineup. But well, here's the thing: the starters are starting to pitch better, which is what you anticipated all along. They have to drive the bus. The right? bullpen, though, Those, is struggling now, and that's a big problem. It is, although Colome looks like he's coming out of it. Colome, well, he's throwing less strikes. cutters and more fastballs. More fastballs, but throwing it over the plate. He's right, not trying right. to miss bats. But, but you know, I heard Neil Solon's talking, and he tracks this stuff more than I ever will in the postgame. Yes. But Colome early in the year was, a, was a, yeah, about 80% cutters and 20% fastballs. And the last right. couple outings, it's been more closer to 50-50, which is probably where he needs to be more like. Probably because everything works off the fastball, but I don't care what he throws as long as he throws it for strike. Well, sure, sure. His his problem was he was missing the plate, mm-hmm. you know, and he started attacking. I think like you know I don't know, eleven out of fifteen pitches on Sunday were strikes, 
He struck out the side in the ninth inning. He looked like Alex Colomay for a change. Um, and but they but to your point, they don't have a setup man. I mean, Romo should be that guy. Romo was a closer. Romo should be their guy in the eighth inning, and now he's failed twice uh, in that role. So, you know, Alvarado did pretty well. At Alvarado's times looked today. really good this year. So maybe he can, maybe he can kind of. But you know, it's it's matchups. You don't. So he's you your know, left-handed left-hand, specialist. I mean, he's, he's your left-handed guy. So if a guy comes up in the seventh inning in a clutch situation, you need got you need a left-hander. He's going to go in early, which is what he did. Um, but they don't have. They haven't gotten anything out of anybody else down there, and so. You know, and with the bullpen days, some guys are, are getting pushed more innings, and so they're not available. So, you know, this whole this whole bullpen thing, I'm not really sure of still. Um, but you know, and Torino's you know hasn't pitched as well his last two times out as he he's, did. He's been giving up a lot he of fly didn't. balls, which is not his game at all. That's when you know he's not he's not on his game. Is when the ball's up in the air when being hit off him. That means he's not pitching. Sure. He's not pitching his best at that point. It's you know something. It's not usually it's not sinking. The ball's not sinking enough. It's not going. It's not yet. Yeah, it's not that heavy sinker that's getting all those balls beaten in the ground. And so you know he he's going to work fast and have a lot of few pitch innings because he's going to get the ground balls. But that that has not been the case of late. Even though, you know, he gave up a couple runs and he, he pitched four and two thirds. Um, but they their plan was to let him go through the lineup twice, and that's that's pretty much what he did. Um, but yet, you know, if they ever get it together, and this is – I think the starting pitching has a chance to feed off of each other. You know, now we'll see when they go on the road, you know, if, if things change. I mean, Jake Faria was talking about it before the game, and Jake's going to start the series against Alex Cobb, by the way. Um, it's going to be Alex Cobb against Jake Faria on – they're off tomorrow, so that it would be Tuesday night. And, boy, Cobb, who, you know, remember, he didn't get signed till late, spent most of spring training down at IMG with 100 other guys – um, off to a terrible start. I think he's pitched seven innings. He's given up 20 hits in seven innings. 20! And uh, 12, I think 12 or 14 earned runs, something like that. It just just you know, just a horrific start. Um, you know, for the Rays, they, they hope that continues. But I got a feeling when he sees his former team, he's, he's going to bear down a little bit. Um, but it, in any event, you know, they got a chance now against the Orioles, who aren't very good, um, to keep this going. And you know what? If you can just... We've said it all along, you know, if you just can fight your way to 500, but just been a terrible start. But I give these guys credit. They, you know, for what they have, a bunch of young guys trying to learn to play in the majors, uh, some older guys like Gomez who are going horribly, um, you know, new players like like C.J. Crone. With that kind of start, these guys could have looked at each other and said, man, this just ain't, we ain't, this is not what I signed up for, you know, and, and sort of stayed, you know, stayed in the jar a little bit. They have fought their way out of it. You know, and it helps when you're not playing Boston. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You know, nine times uh, in the first week and a half. But, you know, nonetheless, I mean, that's you know, you're supposed to beat up on teams like the Twins and teams like the Orioles that are coming up and, you know, um, and, and then try to hold your own against the, you know, the ALE's best. The Rays still have a long way to go, but the team that uh, doesn't have to win that many more games to get where they want to go is the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
They finish off the New Jersey Devils, of course, in that series in five games, and that's sort of what a lot of us predicted. I think you said six, Steve. I said five. Tom Jones said five. Um, and uh, and that's what they did. They, To your point, we talked a little bit about this before the podcast. Uh, we can get into the game on Saturday because I thought – um, you know, once again, they dominate. It would have, it could have ended up a, a much easier victory had they not gone 0 for 5 on the power play. I think you credit New Jersey a little bit for that, but um, but nonetheless, they hung with it. They had a one to nothing lead, and then you know it was two to nothing, then two to one, and then empty netter by Ryan Callahan at the end, uh, and and they win that game three one. But I thought it was a very overall a very convincing series for the Lightning. They dominate. They absolutely dominated the series. I mean, mm-hmm. they did lose a game in there, but to be honest, they dominated all five games. Yeah. Uh, credit Corey Schneider, who kept them in those last three games. It's very good. Um, very he was. Good. He, I mean, he was great on that on the power plays. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, they had what f- five in a row, four in the second period, um, yes. almost back to back to back to back. Um, Corey Schneider was fantastic, but the Lightning dominated play. They they controlled the puck most of the most of the series. It never really felt like the series was in doubt. Even as New Jersey won Game Three and it was two to one, and they still had another home game there, it never felt like it. Because you know, I still thought the Lightning dominated the game they lost, but that happens sometimes. A good sign. I mean, everyone was panicking. I won't say panicking, but everyone was was worried. Come the end of the year, could the Lightning turn it back on? They weren't playing anywhere near what they did the beginning of the year. Um, you know, whatever the reason was, the lack of practice time down the stretch, whether they had just lost interest because they were so far ahead. Uh, but they've turned it back on, and they've played a whale, they played a whale of a series. And Nikita Kucherov came to life, especially after that hit on Sammy Vatanen. You know, he let that a, seemed he, to he wake him a tremendous up, game on uh, on Saturday for Game Five. He was that he was the best player on the ice for the Lightning outside Vasilevsky, who was great. Yeah, no, and Vasi has been great, but uh, yeah, that that hit seemed to wake the whole team actually. Um, I don't know how many. What, what did he finish with? Like ten points in the series, or something like that. Yes. Um, yeah, something crazy like that. So, yeah, he was he was he was doing everything, and uh, they got some. I mean, look, they got a goal from Mikhail Sergachev. Um, you know, some of the some he of the has looked players. really comfortable for his first playoff series, and at nineteen years old, he has looked really comfortable after yeah. struggling some in the middle of the season, which is uh, you know expected for a guy that young and first season in the NHL. What's been so impressive to me, Steve, is that when these guys have the lead and they have to keep the puck and, and, and keep it out of their zone and maintain possession and, and make you know make them go 200 feet every time, they've just been masters at it. I mean, there's no panic. Um, it, it doesn't feel like things are rushed. They get it out of their zone. Um, and a big, a big boost I thought they got, too, in this final game and a good sign, and this rest will do them well as well, is Ryan Callahan. Ryan Callahan coming back, I think, changes how the other team plays you. Uh, you know, you're, you're just – your head's on a swivel. And if he's on the ice, there's not going to be any of this funny business going on. Well, not only uh, that, not only that, but the Lightning play different when he's on the ice. And, and he, they gets, do. he gets a lot of criticism for the size of his contract and the fact he doesn't score a lot of goals. And sure. That, but – the Lightning play different when he's on the ice, period. Earlier this year when he got hurt, that fourth line disappeared. And, and Kunitz is a great player, and, and Paquette's on that line, and whoever, you know, they were on the ice, but they disappeared. You don't notice them. When Callahan's right. on the ice, you notice him, and it, it picks up the rest of the team. Absolutely does. No question in my mind. So, I mean, you got to figure this. I mean, how important is the rest? I mean, if you could, 
if somehow this Boston series would go another day, you know what I mean? What's I mean, the earliest they would play even now would probably be what Thursday. Uh, it it looks like it looks like if Boston wraps it up tonight, and they're playing okay. Toronto Game Six in Toronto. If Boston wraps right. up tonight, I believe the first round most likely is going to start Thursday. If they have to go to Game 7 on Wednesday, now you're talking at least Friday or Saturday until they start. So you're talking about five, really almost five days rest um, mm-hmm. at, at, at the, on the downside. Well, the Lightning had Sunday seven. off. They're having Monday right. off. They're not practicing until Tuesday. They're, they're getting, not doing they're two days off, which is, you know. Right. And look, we know Stamkos had a nagging injury at the end of the year, and he's not 100%. Callahan, yeah. obviously, is probably not 100% as he just came back. Um, you have right. a lot of nagging injuries, and there's a lot of players that are playing hurt you probably don't even know. Uh, Tyler Johnson mental, took a body, body fatigue, maintenance though. day a couple days ago. That that having having this rest to heal their bodies, and then the mental part of it's even more important. That's, yeah, I think so too. I think if you're Andre Vasilevsky, I mean, the fewer games you play, the less, less taxing it is, and then you get to refresh and then reload and come back and start a whole new series. I think that's huge versus a team – that may have to go six or seven games, and if you're if, if you're really lucky, they'll play a couple overtime games before it's over. You look at the history of the, of the Stanley Cup, and for the most part, the teams that make the Cup have a short series somewhere along the way, a four-game or a five-game series. The Lightning were an exception in 2015 when they made the Stanley Cup against the Blackhawks, where they went six games, seven games, uh, six game or uh, seven games, six games, seven games, six games. They played 26 games, which is very rare, and they end up losing, but. You know, normally, if to make the Stanley Cup final, you generally you have a sweep or a five game series in there, and you get some extra rest. Yeah, well, it came at the right time, and uh, before what I think, I believe that if they're going to win this, the Stanley Cup, this next round to me will probably be the most difficult. I know Pittsburgh um, is probably going to be there uh, for sure. Beyond Washington, Washington's still a very good team too, and I think they're going to end up beating Columbus. They've won three in a row now to take a three two series lead. They'll play tonight at seven thirty. Uh, it's been a great comeback for them. Although they might just be teasing their fans because I got I know some cap people. They're like, "Don't believe it." Well, don't believe Pittsburgh. It. <laughs> Pittsburgh is their Achilles heel. Um, but the, yeah. And that series, that series, gone four of those game, four of the five games have gone to overtime. Wow. So they're playing a lot of extra hockey in that series too. All of which could help the Lightning if they can just get past. It. I think the next round is going to be the hardest round. I think if they do well, that, I would give them a really good chance to win the Eastern. Well, look, regardless of whether you want Boston or Toronto to face the Lightning. You want Toronto to win tonight. You want them to go seven games, give the Lightning more rest, and let those teams beat each other up before you've got to play the winner of that series. So no matter who you want to win the series, root for Toronto tonight. And I'm telling you, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how we did it. Well, I do know how we did it. But if you can get a a ticket to one of these playoff games, we took our girls um, and uh, got to sit in the suite, uh, my wife's company. And I'm telling you, but that the atmosphere – I mean, you forget. You know, I know you, if you go to a lot of lightning games or you go to a lot of hockey games, they're great during the regular season. I mean, the hockey is fantastic in person, but those playoff games, that building was lit. I mean, that place was wild. And, and it only gets is, better as you go deeper in the playoffs. And you know, it's funny. My girls, who are just, you know, they're, they're I mean, what are they? They're they're eight and and five. They're going to be nine and six soon. They they don't know you know hockey the rules and all that they're, but they're watching it and, and they they were funny because they were like, Dad, I got really nervous the last two minutes. I don't know that I liked it. <laughs> like what? <laughs> they were so nervous because it was two to one and we're standing up and everybody's screaming and it was like ah uh, you know and like uh, the crowd's going nuts every time a puck gets near Vasilevsky you know and and they pull the goaltender and I'm trying to explain to him you know and then they score and there's three minutes to go. 
So you're like, well, it's two to one. You, you knew that game wasn't going to end one nothing, right? Or even two nothing. It's two to one, and there's three minutes. So you're thinking, wow, they're going to have a bunch of time here. And and the girls they didn't like the tension. I said, well, that's sports, <laughs> honey. That's that's what's so great about it is you have to you have to ride the roller coaster a little bit, you know. Um, but man, what a what an that building was great, wasn't it? Oh, fantastic! And it's been you know the the first three playoff games at home, and and you know listen, looking back at two and three years ago, as each round it gets even better. And same with yeah. the watch parties. If you haven't been to the watch parties that the Lightning do, um, each mm-hmm. round those get better and better. So that you know whether it's Toronto or Boston, this next round. Um, they get bigger, they get better. Uh, it's a fun time to be around it. We'll have lots for you this week. Uh, I'm sure some guests to to, to preview uh, whatever is the next series, whether it's Boston or Toronto, and we'll be doing that all week and, and talking about hockey. The other big news, of course, this week that we're going to be dealing with a lot on this podcast is the NFL Draft, which is Thursday, the Bucks with the number 7 overall pick. I wrote a story in Saturday's Tampa Bay Times. You know, this is the time of year. We talked to Jason Light a week ago, well, like last Thursday, I believe, uh, about the draft. And they're very careful not to say anything, as, as every team is. Um, you don't expect a lot of answers. We know where the Bucks stand. They have, you know, four quarterbacks that they need to go ahead of them to push one of the consensus, you know, position players down to them, possibly at seven, you know, whether it's Saquon Barkley or – Quentin Nelson or Bradley Chubb, one of those guys. And there's other players they're interested in too. Um, but right now, you know, is a time when all the teams are uh, really just putting out, you know, all kinds of smoke screens. I mean, one of my favorite ones of late was Sean Payton bad-mouthing the four quarterbacks who may go in the top ten saying that, you know, none of them are Carson Wentz. They're, you got to be careful. These aren't franchise guys. All the while hoping that as he trashes them, one of them falls to 26 because he's in the market for what? A quarterback because Drew Brees is probably going to play about two years. So this is what you get. You know, you, you can't believe a word anybody says. Um, and I will give you, and this is what I wrote about on Saturday, you know, the media, we're the major conduits of all this disinformation. And, According to my sources. You know, of course, yeah, exactly. Adam Schefter, the Bucks could be possibly going to take a player at number seven. Yeah, we know that. Um, but which one? And, and so you, you hear, you know, there's 100 mock drafts, and you mock the mocks at this point. Um, and Kuyper and, you know, and McShay are the, are the two, tat, 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 you know, the two guys that go back and forth and never agree. Um, and so they play the national guys, the teams do, and, and it, it kind of starts with the local guys too. Uh, and I still haven't forgiven him for this um, or the fact that he hasn't really talked to me since he was fired. But Lovey Smith, remember Lovey's first year? When he came here, um, and they they had Mike Lennon as the quarterback that Shiano wanted to be his franchise quarterback, and then Lovey came in and said, "No, no, no, he's our backup and a good one at that." But I'm bringing in you know Josh McCown, so you know yeah yeah Josh McCown, uh, and despite all that, you could have argued that well if Glennon's not the guy, then eh, maybe they need a quarterback. Except there weren't a lot of good quarterbacks in the draft that year. Uh, but one that was, was Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel. And I have come to find out, quite as a matter of fact, that for whatever reason, maybe he was being funny, maybe he was trying to keep people away from his true intentions about the Texas A&M player that he loved, which was Mike Evans. But he purposefully and willfully uh, allowed or instructed members of the org- organization um, to profess the Bucks' undying love for Johnny Manziel. And Lovey participated that in that as well, t- 
talked about how you know he was out of football, how much how many how much he enjoyed fall Saturdays sitting on his couch in Illinois watching college football, how the position has changed and you know maybe Johnny's not you know has some flaws but hey, you know that's the direction the NFL is going now. I mean, he laid it on as thick as oil. And and I was, you know, I was skeptical by by nature cuz that's what that's what this job does to you. But I the more I talked to to him and everyone there, it, you knew it had to be a concerted effort if it wasn't true because they were all pretty much echoing the same thing. Oh no, no, he's look, I, I'm telling you, this guy's going to be good. And you know who else likes him? Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien in Houston, they love him, you know. So why don't they take him? Um, so it, it 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 just it you know when it came down to writing about it, sure enough, I wrote you know Lovey's quotes. Don't be surprised if um, I know it's kind of high, number seven, but and Mel Kiper. God bless his heart. He's going to be on his tombstone. He actually liked Manziel, and he had him going in his final mock at number seven to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So misery loves company. That's my misinformation story. If you ask me who the Bucks want, I can give you names. I can tell you what they, I, they I've kind of gotten from them, but I don't believe a word anybody is saying. Final thing, uh, road story on Sunday. You know, Shaquem Griffin is is a guy that we're all very familiar with here with Lakewood High School, UCF, a captain. Um, we know his story. We're very aware of it. Born with a congenital uh, addition where he had a fetal band around his left hand. It was amputated when he was age four. Uh, him and his twin brother grew up, played football, uh, are great players. Uh, they both went to UCF. Actually, Shaquille is now in the NFL with Seattle Seahawks. Um you know, uh, Shaquem was the player of the year in the AAC. And despite all these accomplishments, he was not originally invited to the Combine, one of 330 players, and he didn't get the invite until much later after he went to the Senior Bowl and completely balled out there. Goes to the Combine, the rest is history. Puts on an absolute freak show, runs a 4-3-8-40, you know, um, bench presses 20 times with the prosthesis. I mean, it was incredible. Well, now the NFL went from Hey, hey, that's okay. We don't we don't need the one armed guy, um, the one armed football player, uh, and and now all of a sudden it's like, no, you're walking the red carpet at, at the draft in Dallas, which is great for him and his family. Um, but in talking to him as I did the other day, and he, it's been a world when he's doing thousands of appearances, and look, he gets it. He knows he's an inspiration to people. Um, he completely embraces that. He he's fine with that. But here's the thing. Um, that you know he's become sort of the darling in a way of the NFL in this draft um but but what he said was so dead on was to me was he said I am not just a feel good story he said you know a feel good story is is somebody who has one arm and plays football i dominate i make plays all over the place and he does and he's and the thing that's been missed about all this is that you know he's a hell of a football player that's all you have to really know about him I don't know what round he's going to go in. I tend to think it may not be the first day for sure. I don't think he's going to the first round. He may not go in the second. But somewhere between two and four, uh, I would think, would make sense for him. And I'll tell you, he would love to play with his hometown team. I talked to him about playing in Tampa, who suddenly, with Kendall Beckwith being out now with ankle surgery, maybe have a need for somebody like him uh, playing linebacker and special teams and rushing the passer. So we'll see where he goes. But if you get a chance to read that story in the Tampa Bay Times, that was on Sunday, and look for um, – Look for Griffin and his family to uh, to be at the NFL 
NFL draft on Thursday. Boy, it's coming here fast, Steve. I, I'm. Uh, I, we'll talk a lot about it this week. I'm. I'm probably going to effort to have some folks on that know more about it than I do, um, and we'll try to zone, hone in on just exactly what the Bucks' options are and what we think they'll do. Okay, one final thing, uh, folks. If you uh, get on your knees and say some prayers, say one for Danny Farquhar, the uh, former Rays pitcher, now with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, collapsed, I believe it was Friday night in the dugout. A very scary situation for him and his family. He had a brain aneurysm. Um, the last we heard, uh, he is in um, he is he is stable, but in obviously critical condition. And uh, a lot of people, uh, former teammates, coaches, manager Kevin Cash, others, uh, very concerned uh, about uh, about Danny. And uh, they had his his jersey in the dugout with them on Sunday. As a matter of fact. A lot of people thinking about what him and his family are going through. So, that's that was a, that's a scary story, Steve. And you just don't you just don't expect anything like that. No, it's uh, heartbreaking, and you know, only wishing the best for you know he and his family and all those involved. Not a situation you want to go through. No, hopefully he'll get better, and uh, and we'll, we'll certainly keep our prayers out for him. Listen, uh, we really appreciate you guys joining us. It was a busy weekend in sports. A busy week coming up for sure. Um, you know, certainly with the NHL playoffs resuming and the Lightning on to second round two, either against Toronto or Boston. We'll figure out when they're going to play, um, maybe as early as Thursday, I suppose. The Rays have a day off today, but then they'll start a series in Baltimore on Tuesday. And, uh, of course, we have the NFL draft. That's going to dominate a lot of our news this week, and we'll have guests about that as well. We appreciate uh, you guys listening Monday through Friday. We are here every Monday through Friday, and we love your interaction. Love to do that on Twitter. You can always reach us at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me at NFL Stroud, or always email me at rstroud at tampabay.com. Love for you guys to uh, rate and review this podcast. And Steve, where can they do that for us? Anywhere you get your podcasts, whether you listen through iTunes or Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud. You can rate, review the podcast, like them there. Or you can go to tampabay.com slash sports. The latest episode is always up there, and you can do the same. Fantastic week ahead. Uh, hope you join us all week. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Versnick. Have a great Monday, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.